Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I am live in studio this morning and there are some shenanigans going on here at WATD, I have to say. (laughs) It's a little too early for some of that stuff. But good morning, everyone. Happy weekend. Um, Two-part show this morning, largely related to the fact that it's pretty hard to get guests in the summer to come on the air with me at 8 a.m. It's really hard for people to, you know, really be eager to wake up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday and do some work for a couple hours. So I'm going to talk for the first part of the show this morning um, just through some retirement modeling scenarios. I think it'll be really fun. I wanted to Um, sort of compare and contrast two very different financial situations for people approaching retirement and sort of talk through some of the things that they need to think about as they're trying to plan for retirement and and, and sort of just analyze, um, solve for when someone can retire and maybe just make the point that it's pulling off retirement and saving the amount that you need to save to do what you want to do is is a lot harder than it seems like it should be. So we're going to do some retirement planning, modeling the first part of the show. And then the second part of the show will be a little bit more light and casual, a little bit more fun. We're just going to talk about some local South Shore type stuff. 
Um, I have a couple of guests coming on in the later half of the show to talk about um, events this summer, um, outings on the South Shore, things to do, et cetera, et cetera. So just more of a local uh, South Shore um, informational type show. But we'll do some uh, number crunching and modeling first, and then we'll get into some fun stuff. Happy to take callers this morning. I am flying solo for a little bit, so happy to chat with anyone who wants to chat or if anyone has questions, 781-837-4900 is the call-in number. Okay, so what I wanted to spend some time doing is um, using my planning software to do some retirement planning. Some I call it modeling because we can change variables, we can model different scenarios, we can you know answer the questions that a lot of people have regarding when can I retire, how much money do I need, how much should I be saving so that I can retire one day, etc. So I've I've built a couple of. Um, uh, fic- fictional models in the software, but they're based on a couple of real scenarios that I've worked through with clients in the last couple of months. Um, one being a couple with um, good income, but also a good amount of debt. And another, uh, a single person with not much income, but a substantial amount of assets. Um, and and so sort of two, and, and not much debt. And, and so two very different scenarios. So I'm going to start with one that's a little bit more common, which is a couple in their, I think, mid to late 50s. I'll kind of go through some of the specifics here in a minute, but a couple mid to late 50s make good money, have some assets saved, but still have a mortgage. And in this model, I'm going to um, have them, they have some student loan debt. So they help their kids get through college and they're bearing the burden of a pretty sizable amount of student loans and working to pay that off before they can retire. So I'll go through some specifics. I don't, I, I don't like to get into so much detail on air regarding the numbers. Well, that's not true, I like to, but it's, um, I know that I can lose people when I get into too many specifics about numbers, but what I wanna do is sort of walk through the data entry that I do in the software, and it just brings up things to chat about with people, things that people should be thinking about as they're thinking about saving and investing and retiring. So I'll just kind of walk through that and it will bring up some uh, things that I can discuss and and things that will allow people to just think a little bit harder about um, what you're doing in your own financial life as it relates to retirement. Okay, so the first scenario we're gonna work through is a married couple. They are in their 50s. So actually, let me get you the exact information. I can't remember how old I had them. The husband is 58 and the wife is 56. So uh, mid to late 50s. This couple has kids, but the kids are through college, mostly financially independent. I think I did, you know, assume there were some kid related stuff in the budget, but going away here in the coming years, relatively small amount and going away in the coming years. This particular couple, they both work. We're going to assume their combined income is $275,000. So they make good money and they do have an ability to save. But we are again, assuming that this couple took on a fairly sizable amount of student loans to get their kids through college. So I'm assuming $250,000 $250,000 in the way of student loans. And let's assume they're like just starting to pay those back. You know, the kids are just getting through school and they're just really focusing on paying back the loans. They haven't been able to focus before because they were helping with tuition, you know, um, 
before they took on the loans, uh, before they could start paying the loans, you know, getting the kids through school and helping with tuition, but now they're focusing on paying back the debt. Um, so again, they make uh, mid to late 50s. They make good money, 275000 between the two of them. They do have debt, 250000 in student loans, and they do have a mortgage, a $300,000 mortgage roughly on, for this model, it doesn't much matter the value of the home, but I'm thinking somewhere in the seven or $800,000 in terms of the value of the home. I know that the real estate market right now is a little bit crazy. And, it, and again, it doesn't matter when we do financial modeling and when we do this planning, it doesn't really matter the value of our piece of real estate unless we plan to use equity from that real estate in at some point in the future. So, and that can be in the way of taking out a mortgage or a home equity line or a reverse mortgage, or we can take equity out of a property in this model by selling and buying a less expensive home and taking some equity off the table at that time. That also serves to potentially reduce expenses. But so again, the value of the property doesn't much matter, but this person does still have a mortgage. Um, so talking through some of the specifics on the debt, this person, let's say $300,000 mortgage, I'm assuming their payment is, you know, maybe with escrow 3,000 a month or 2,800 a month, something like that. But principal and interest payment to just work down the debt itself is something like $2,000 a month. So this debt is scheduled to be gone in about 15 years. So these people are mid to late 50s. So if they were to stay in the home and never refinance and just continue paying down the debt without overpaying the mortgage, then their um, mortgage is scheduled to be gone somewhere in their early 70s. And we can kind of talk through some scenarios and some things to think about regarding eliminating the debt before that. Uh, income dependent, and I guess, you know, depends on their ability to do that, which is directly related in this example to um, the amount of student loans and their ability to get rid of the student loans. All right, so again, we've got a couple hundred, uh, sorry, 250,000 in this model. I was just sort of arbitrarily assigning numbers, but I wanted to assign a fairly large amount of student loan debt. So this one is $250,000 of student loan debt. I'm assuming a 7% interest rate on that. And I'm going to play around in this model. I'm going to play around with how much to throw at the loans, which of course will determine when the debt is eliminated. But just for example, on $250,000 of student loan debt at 7%, or it doesn't matter the debt, but in this example, student loan debt, if, if they were to pay $2,000 a month on 250000 at 7%, they still would carry that debt for almost 19 years. So that's a long time. So we're going to be playing around with different amounts that maybe this sort of uh, fictional couple can can throw at the debt. If they were able to pay down 2500 a month, then that's gone in 13 years. If they could uh, if they could throw 3000 a month at the debt, it still is around for almost 10 years. So of course it's a large amount of debt and, and in order to um, eliminate that maybe before they're hoping to retire, we're going to have to be assuming they can throw a very sizable amount of money monthly um, at that debt. So we'll come back to that in a minute. That's one of those things that I wanted to use this model to solve for. 
Um, but we'll come back to that in a minute. For this, uh, for this couple, we're assuming that they have done a pretty good job saving for retirement. Again, they're mid to late 50s. We're, I'm assuming they've got about 1.2 million in retirement assets. I don't need to get into you know specifics about the different accounts, et cetera, et cetera, but we're just assuming they have about 1.2 million between a couple of retirement accounts, whether it's 401ks or IRAs or the like. I'm assuming that they don't have much beyond that other than some emergency cash in the bank. And and again, the amount of emergency cash for purposes of this model doesn't matter because when, it, of course, in real life it matters, but for purposes of modeling, um, emergency cash in the software isn't spent unless I you know, make an override and, and manually have the software spend down that assets. But emergency cash is just, you know, there for emergencies. And generally I list it as an asset, but I don't allow the software to spend that. Of course, it wouldn't use it to spend um, down debt unless we, we did that manually. So I guess long story short is that these people have, they make good money. They've done a pretty good job saving for retirement. They've accumulated 1.2 million in their 401ks, but they do still have a pretty significant amount of debt to work down between a $300,000 mortgage and 250 in student loans. And so we're really gonna have them focus on that. And then we're gonna use the software to solve for when can they when can they reasonably retire and can they retire before the debt is gone or should we focus on debt elimination before retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So just a couple more things to note regarding the data input and then we'll kind of start running some models. Income and retirement is another variable that we of course want to enter in the software for most people, that would be social security. For some people, that would be a pension. And for some people, it might be part-time work or per diem work in retirement. You know, not everyone wants to just stop working and that's it. Some people envision a slowdown. Some people, you know, love work and would be bored otherwise and envision doing something for income in the future. And it depends on whether or not I include part-time work in a model just sort of depends on how confident someone is that that will be the case and also depends on necessity. Sometimes we're running models and things look okay without someone, you know, having earned income in retirement and sometimes they don't. And sometimes we have to put numbers in there in terms of earned income in retirement or semi-retirement. And that gives people guidance regarding how much they might need to earn if they were going to slow down or, or semi-retire. So for this model, for this mid to late 50s couple trying to work down some debt before retirement, I'm going to assume no part-time, for now anyway, no part-time work in retirement. I'm just going to assume a hard stop of income, earned income goes away at a certain time and no part-time income beyond that. But I am building in social security income from this, for this couple. I'm not factoring in any pensions. We do still meet people that have pension income, of course. It's sort of phasing out slowly over time. But um, for these people, I'm just assuming social security. And again, we can use the software to help us determine the best time to collect social security. But you know, that's a big question for many people. What's the best time for me to collect? And really from my perspective, it's situationally dependent. It's also, it's also really dependent on how long you think you're going to live. It's life expectancy dependent for the most part, but also situationally dependent in terms of you know, what What other sources of income do you have? We wanna make sure we're not drawing down retirement assets too quickly while we're waiting for social security to kick in, et cetera. But really, really 
if you just examine the numbers in terms of maximizing your income from the social from the government, um, then it's really just life expectancy based. So if you think it's likely that you'll live a long life, like past your statistical life expectancy, which you know, I haven't looked very recently, but for a male, it's probably like age 80 or 81. And for a female, it's probably like 83, 84, 85. If you think you'll live past your statistical life expectancy, then it's generally better to delay social security and collect as long, as late as possible, which would be age 70, because you collect a larger amount for a long period of time. And that would maximize your benefit from the government. For people that, um, you know, if you don't think you'll live past your life expectancy, or if there's a health issue or something, and, and even if you think you won't live beyond that, then then collecting earlier is going to be financially better, again, and just purely in terms of what you get from the system and getting the money back that you've paid in uh, through your working years. So really, if you do a, like a break-even analysis and you spreadsheet it out, which of course I've done, it, the whatever age you collect at, you'll you'll break even in terms of what you get back from the government around your statistical life expectancy. And you can actually Google um, IRS, I think it's IRS life expectancy tables. And really your life expectancy is based on your age. The older you are, the longer your life expectancy. And so you can, you know, based on your age, figure out what your life expectancy is and kind of, you know, that's when you would generally break even uh, with social security benefits. Anyway, for this model that we're doing today, I am going to have them just collect at their full retirement age, which is the first number you see if you look at a social security statement, which you generally have to log in um, to socialsecurity.gov these these days to find that statement there. I think they're only mailed every five years now, if if ever. I, but I think they're still physical mailed five years on a five-year cycle. So the first number you see on your social security statement is what's called your full retirement age benefit. And for older people now, that's like 66 and a half, but for many people going forward, it's gonna be age 67. <clears throat> so I'm assuming for this couple here that they're just, they're gonna collect at their rough, at their ages 67. And I'm assuming uh, in today's dollars, uh, the husband's benefits like 3,400 a month and the wife's benefit maybe 2,500 a month. I'm just trying to model like a couple different levels of, of social security benefit there, one higher than the other. And on that note, when we're as long as we're talking about social security, I, there are some, again, we just talked about, you know, delaying versus not delaying your benefit. Generally, I do think it's good for people to delay as long as possible, unless you're putting a stress on your financial assets and drawing too much from your portfolio too early. But if that's not the case, and if there's, you know, income from other sources, et cetera, or if you can, you know, sort of survive with a low draw from the portfolio, then I do think it's generally a good thing to delay social security. You get a great increase in your benefit to delay. And I think that that's generally better. But there are some situations where maybe a married couple, you know, there's two social security benefits. They might need some income. You know, they, they might want to delay, but they kind of need some income earlier, you know, too. So a good strategy, I think, is also just to delay one benefit and collect another. And generally, I would delay the larger of the two benefits. So you're getting that increase 8% per year from full retirement age to age 70, you get an 8% per year or a two thirds of a percent per month increase in your benefit to delay. So that's a great increase. And I would do that on the larger of the two benefits if possible, and maybe 
collect one a smaller benefit early, you know, so you're not stressing your portfolio too early in retirement. Um, and so that's an option for people to consider as well. And just one step further on that, and I, you know, we could go down the social security rabbit hole for a while, but just one more thing on that. When we, again, when we're talking about a married couple, another reason it's great to delay the larger of the two benefits is that whoever, whichever spouse outlives the other will have that larger social security benefit for their lifetime as well. So even if the, the, the spouse with the smaller benefit, if let's say if it's the wife, if she outlives her husband, she would have her husband's benefit for her lifetime if she were to outlive him. So you get, as a surviving spouse, you, you get to collect the higher of the two benefits ongoing. So it's great because delaying one and having a large amount of fixed income for whoever survives the other, I think is a great strategy as well. All right, enough on social security. All right, one la- sort of last uh, data entry point for the, creating this model here for this mid to late 50s couple. They still make good money. They've done a good job saving their assets. They've got 1.2 million in retirement. They, again, they make good money, 275 between the two of them. So things looking good from both of those perspectives, but they do still carry a sizable amount of debt in the way of a $300,000 mortgage and a $250,000 in student loan debt. So I'm trying to model impact of student loan debt here, <coughs> among other things, of course. So last data last uh, data entry point that we haven't talked about yet before we start running some reports is expenses. So again, hardest, talked about this 100,000 times on the radio and in my client meetings, but the, the expenses is like the one data point that I can't find on a statement anywhere. I can't get that data as a hard piece of data anywhere. I can't get it from a financial statement or a social security statement or whatever. So that's the one thing that I completely rely on uh, my client to give me. And that's can be a little bit scary, but I just stress the importance of it. And, and you know, you, you garbage in, garbage out. You can't do a good job modeling if you don't have good data. I and mean, this is the one thing that I just really can't do for someone. There are ways for me to estimate what people are spending based on what I know of their cash flow and their income sources and taxes. But it, it's it's way, 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 way better if someone can really do their homework and figure out on average what's going out the door every month. And not only that, but roughly where it's going. And not that I care, of course, and no judgment and everyone lives their life differently and that's wonderful. Free country and but I but things change and some things go away and some things might increase and some might decrease. So being able to manipulate all that is is really powerful. And so it's really helpful to have all the detail with regards to expenses. So for this uh, mid to late fifties couple, I am modeling expenses in the $11,000 per month range. Now that might sound high or low to you. Um, That includes the paying the mortgage, again, principal and interest on the mortgage was like $2,000 a month for these people, which puts them on a schedule to have that mortgage paid off in about 15 years. And I'm modeling 2,000 for the moment of that 11,000 of monthly expenses was $2,000 a month toward the student loans, which probably isn't quite enough. We're gonna have to increase that, I think, because just 2,000 a month on 250,000 of student loans, 
they they would carry that debt for 19 years. So that that's way too long based on them being mid to late 50s. But for now, I just that in that 11,000 a month, I'm sorry, about sorry, about 12,000 a month of expenses. It it that's what it includes and we're going to play around here in a minute with bumping that up. I am assuming that these people are are maxing that the husband for example is maxing his 401k. He's over 50, so he can put 26,000 bucks in there. And I'm assuming that uh, roughly the same thing for, actually, no, I had it a little bit less for the wife. I had her putting maybe 10,000 a year in her 401k. So they're still doing a good job saving for retirement. And again, we're going to play around with uh, if that's sufficient after the break. Okay. So thank you. I We set the stage. We're doing some retirement modeling. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. As soon as we're back from that break, we're going to do some problem solving here and uh, when can these people retire, et cetera. We're just taking a break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed doing some retirement modeling this morning and just sort of walking through um, or having some of those conversations surrounding all things planning for retirement. We talked a little bit about Social Security and I'm, I'm just trying to... I guess maybe prove the point that retirement's really hard to pull off and, and you have to work for it, of course, literally work to save the assets, but also just work in terms of paying attention to what you're saving and and your investment strategy and and what you're spending in retirement and what your withdrawal rate from the portfolio will be and, and all those things. And so I'm working through some scenarios the first one, you know, modeling a couple who has done a good job saving for retirement and makes pretty good money and, and you know, they're getting late 50s and eyeing retirement, kids are through college, but, but I'm throwing in this bogey of they still have a bunch of debt. And then I'm hoping I have enough time to get through another scenario where it's, you know, different in terms of someone who has a large amount of assets and not much debt, but, but uh, very little in the way of income at like late 50s, early 60s and, and, you know, sort of working through a different type of analysis and things to think about. So anyway, I'm sort of finishing up and, and getting to the end of this, setting the stage for this married couple, mid to late 50s, kids through college, make good money, still saving a good amount in retirement in retirement accounts, but they're, they're trying to work down debt so that their expenses are reasonable when they retire. Actually, that's what I would want it to be for them. It's uncomfortable to carry debt in retirement and uh, financially uncomfortable and, and literally uncomfortable. So for this couple, um, there's you know expenses, including working down a couple thousand toward the mortgage, having that gone in 15 years, a couple thousand toward the, the student loans. Again, $2,000 a month on 250 grand of student loans is at, in, at ages late 50s, in my opinion, is probably not aggressive enough unless these people plan to work into maybe into their 70s. But for now, I've got, you know, 11 or 12,000 a month of expenses, including those debt payments, 2,000 toward the student loans. So if I run an analysis and if I say, okay, well, could these people, this hypothetical couple, could they they're mid to late 50s right now. Could they retire around age 65 if they were, 
you know, paying this $2,000 a month toward the student loans, which would mean they would carry the student loans into retirement for another, what, seven to 10 years or something like that, and would still have a mortgage, albeit a relatively small mortgage, in retirement again for another, you know, seven to 10 years. And so if I run an analysis, we have an ability to do a probability analysis and it will vary rates of return on investment accounts, you know, sort of like historically significant rates of return, not overly aggressive. I generally assume five to six to seven percent returns for, you know, people of these ages because you want to model, you know, maybe a balanced or a slightly aggressive portfolio in your 50s and then you want to model a balanced or even, you know, a conservatively tilting portfolio later in life. And so, I'm trying to use some, you know, numbers that I think are appropriate given the length of of the model here. So if I run a model and if I say, okay, these people want to retire at 65, is that financially feasible? It's really not for them. I ran the probability analysis and I'm looking at a 55% chance of success and, and success is defined as do their assets last to their life expectancy? And actually that's something I, that's an assumption I skipped over and I unintentionally, but I have these people living to, I think the husband age 90 and the wife age 93. So modeling a fairly long life expectancy. If you model a shorter life expectancy, things look better, but but people, you know, very common for people to be living in their 90s these days, of course. So trying to be realistic, but but fairly conservative here with the model. And that's generally the theme for me, realistic conservativeness or realist. Yeah, we'll just stick with that. Not feasible for them to retire in seven or eight years, because the size of their debt is too large and they would have to work harder. In my opinion, my recommendation would be they would need to work harder to pay down the student loans so that they're eliminated. I'm not so worried about a relatively small mortgage in retirement, but student loans at like 7% interest rate for them to carry that into retirement, I would absolutely say no. So if these people, you know, based on them spending 11 or 12,000 a month and, but still putting a good amount in retirement accounts, you know, these people make good money. They make $275,000 a year between the two of them. They could afford, in my example anyway, to throw three or $4,000 a month at the student loans to really work to eliminate those before retirement. So again, 2,000 bucks a month on 250,000 of student loans at 7%, that's a 19 year payoff period, way too long for these people based on their ages. 3,000 a month eliminates the debt in nine and a half years. Why don't I go 3,500 a month eliminates the debt in about eight years, which for this couple, would line up roughly with them desiring to retire around age 65. So if these people could afford $3,500 a month to those student loans, then they are eliminated in about eight years, which again, lines up with, I'm just gonna call it like a normal retirement age, which I still think is sort of, you know, 65-ish is pretty normal retirement age for people. Um, So I'm gonna assume that those are eliminated right around that time, which would be much more comfortable from a long-term, from a retirement perspective. So again, it's gonna take me a minute to run this report. I didn't run this uh, before going on air. I'm actually not sure what the number will be, but I'm just trying to model a scenario where, you know, these people, again, that they have good assets and they have a good ability to save and pay down debt, but it's really, really important to focus on debt elimination, especially higher interest rate debt elimination before the retirement, just too much of a variable to carry that 
um, into retirement. Again, mortgages, especially these days where interest rates on mortgages are so low and almost everyone has refinanced, not so, so worried about that if it's relatively small. And for these people, it would be 100,000 or 150 or something like that. So relatively small amount of debt. All right, so again, before I... Um, had them overpaying these student loans. And if I ran this retirement analysis where can they retire at 65? Nope, 55% chance of success, not good enough from my perspective. If they're able to work down the loans and eliminate them before retirement, so overpay those loans, 3,500 instead of 2,000, and then I run the retirement analysis, now there's a 75% chance of them being able to have the assets to retire at 65 and live to those ages of 90 or 93. So that's a huge change there. There's not many variables that will change the success of a long analysis like this by 20 percentage points. It's not often that I see that, but eliminating that debt and that huge payment. So right before we eliminated the debt, they were $24,000 a year, you know, coming from the portfolio, which is really 30 or 35,000 a year coming from the portfolio because their assets are retirement in nature. So they've got taxes to take out money to get the 24,000 to pay down the loans. So a huge, you know, too big of a stress on the retirement portfolio, even though theirs is fairly sizable and eight or nine years from now would likely, you know, not guaranteed, but with growth in the markets and with their additions to the portfolio be more sizable, still too much of a strain. Um, but pretty, pretty good scenario if they're able to eliminate those debts in a big increase in their ability to pull off retirement if they can get rid of that student loan debt. Another point I want to make, and I and I feel like I preach a little bit about um, the amount of, of uh, the cost of college and, and the stress of uh, financial, uh, the stress to your finance to your finances of student loan debt. But just another, you know, thing to think about here is that if that, if these people didn't have that student loan debt, meaning either their kids took on the burden or their uh, the kids made different choices or the family made different choices regarding where they the kids attended school, if they didn't have that student loan debt, and if I ran a retirement analysis, first thing I would do is, eliminate the more, if they are not paying 3,500 a month to, to student loans, then they have either more of an ability to save or more of an ability to overpay the mortgage to have that gone by retirement and or more of an ability to, you know, spend things on other things in their life. And maybe in, in, you know, I don't know if that translates to enjoy life more or whatever. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to have them overpay the mortgage so that it was, it would be gone by the time, <coughs> excuse me, that they retire. So that's the first thing I would do. And then maybe I would slightly bump up retirement savings. I didn't have the wife saving as much as she could if they didn't have um, the student loan debt. So now if I run an analysis, I've, I'm just pretending they don't have that student loan debt and I'm running an analysis with them, again, retiring at age 65. And because their cash flow would be better without that student loan debt, then, um, you know, again, they'd have a little bit more of an ability to save and, and work down the other debt that they have in the form of a mortgage. So again, I have no idea what this is going to translate to, but I'm assuming it's going to be a pretty good number. And now they have an 80 or an 85% chance of pulling off their retirement. So much, you know, better retirement analysis because there's not the stress of, of that other debt. And I'll, and I'll stop there on that. Again, it's, you know, I understand that there's the, you know, of course, educating, you know, your kids is very important. I have three 
three kids and I plan to educate them. And but I, I just think it's important for people to really think about, you know, the the impact of the amount of education, you know, on their retirement life. And they should and they should be able to make the choice regarding, you know, is this is this worth it or not? What's the impact to me and my financial picture and my ability to retire? And then and then you get to make an educated choice, of course. But I just like to model that both ways because I think it's um, it's really telling in, in terms of how big of an impact, of course, a large amount of, of um, student loan debt can be. All right. Um, I do want to get to, so that, so that was, you know, again, a, a client, a married couple, mid to late fifties, they make great money, have an ability to save, have done a good job saving for retirement. And that, and that's analysis. I had them have like, they had a million and a quarter, 1.25 million in, in, um, assets earmarked for retirement. They had half a million of equity in their home. So they've done a good job in, in many areas, but I wanted to model the impact of carrying debt late, later in life and how it's, you know, it's just a hurdle that needs to be overcome in order for them to, you know, have a, a financially secure retirement. So, so that's great. And now I want to sort of contrast that with another scenario. And now I'm going to, again, based on reality here. So this is uh, a single person who has uh, more sizable assets. So I'm modeling this person as two and a half million dollars in assets. I broke it down a million and a half in retirement and a million in non-retirement or what we call non-qualified. Also significant amount of assets in real estate and very little debt. So a million plus piece of real estate with very little debt on it. I'm modeling like a $100,000 either mortgage or home equity line or or, or something. Um, So very little amount of debt. So this person has more in the way of assets, financial and real assets, but less in the way of uh, income. So this person, you know, we're assuming um, he or she made great money in the past and um, is now roughly age 60 and self-employed and, and, the, and the income or the earnings ability has come down quite uh, substantially. So not much in the way of um, ability to earn the money that they're used to earning that that he or she earned in the past. Fairly sizable expenses. Again, I'm, tr- I'm kind of modeling the same expenses, $11,000, $12,000 a month. So um, I, I wanted to sort of keep that variable roughly the same. But again, this person is spending eleven or 12000 a month just on life, not <clears throat> debt elimination. Um, the, the married couple had what was that? Four or 5,000 a month going toward repaying debt. This person has um, roughly the same monthly expenses, but but a different lifestyle. So I, you know, this sounds like a good situation, and it is. It's not a it's not a bad situation. But I think the point we wanted to make is that some. So the point I'm trying to make is the importance of analyzing these things because someone with assets uh, of of that size and expenses of that size with very little in the way of income, uh, ability to earn income and, uh, you know, social security, of course, will be a factor. But the point is, will 
you know, if this person's age 60 and his or her life expectancy is 90 or 93 or 95, that's a very long time. And it's really important to pay attention to, yeah, my assets are sizable, but are they sizable enough to support that level of expense for that long of a period of time? And um, again, this isn't a bad situation, you know, two and a half million plus a million in real estate and with very little debt is certainly a good situation, but um, we just need to make sure it supports a certain lifestyle. And if not, then there are just things for that person to think about in, in terms of, you know, either a real estate move or reducing expenses or what can he or she do to earn income that will allow him to support the, the lifestyle that um, she's become accustomed to. So first thing I want to do is... Um, I'll just run an analysis where if this person again is age 60 and is drawing from a two and a half million dollar portfolio, she hasn't collected, uh, let's, I keep saying he or she, let's just call her a she, okay? Make it more simple for me. At age 60, you can't collect social security yet. So she would have an ability to collect as early as 62 or as late as 70. That's something we could play around with. For this model here, I've assumed she collects at 70. I've assumed she delayed. Probably it wouldn't, actually probably wouldn't make sense in this scenario. Uh, that's just the data I have in there now, for now. We could come back to that in a minute. But the point I wanna make is with no income and supporting expenses of ten to $12,000 a month, even with a $2.5 million portfolio, that's a high rate of draw early on in a in, in retirement, which in a like a long retirement analysis. So I'm gonna run again that probability analysis where I, where we can, you know, just quick kind of quickly answer that question of is this sustainable long term? So I'm assuming there's no income from social security from anywhere for 10 years. And then social security kicks in at in today's dollars like 3,500 a month if she delays. So good amount of income there puts a little bit of an ease on the draw from the portfolio. But is that portfolio of two and a half million sizable enough to support those expenses? And the answer would be no. No, especially I have a life expectancy here of 93. So that's a 33 year analysis. And the draw from the portfolio, you know, at 10 or 12,000 a month would be like, that's about 5% of two and a half million, if not a little bit more, very early in retirement. Age 60 is pretty early in retirement to have a 5% draw from the portfolio. So 12, you know, let's call it 11,000 a month, 132,000. That's a little bit more than a 5% draw on two and a half million. And especially if you factor in taxes, a large, you know, I'm assuming a large portion of this portfolio is retirement in nature. So taxes do. So again, in order to get 144, 132,000 for this person to spend, you might have to take, you'll have to take more than that to pay your taxes to get your 132. So the draw was, you know, that'd be a five and a half or a, you know, maybe a five and a half percent draw from a portfolio at age 60 when your life expectancy is 93. That is too high and likely not sustainable long term. So when I run an analysis, I'm looking at for this person a 40 ish, 40 percent chance of the assets lasting to her age 93. Now that, I'll go one step further. That actually 
that ignores equity in her piece of real estate. And again, I'm assuming there's a, you know, a, um, a sizable piece of real estate there. Maybe it's worth a million or 1.2 million. So something certainly to fall back on and something that we can have discussions about, you know, does it, would it make sense to, um, you know, sell and take some money off the table, maybe lower expenses if there's a condo fee and, and, you know, does that something that, or, you know, take a reverse mortgage, for example, or take equity out in another way later on certainly something that we can model. But if this person doesn't ever want to use equity in the home, a lot of people just, you know, I want to leave it to my kids. And, um, and you know, I at least want to be able to leave something to my kids and doesn't intend to move at any time, then this is not a workable scenario. So too high of a draw too early on, even if the draw goes down a little bit when social security alleviates. And even if I had social security kicking in at 62, that still would not be a sustainable um, plan, Social Security would not be sizable enough to offset um, enough of the draw from the portfolio in that example. So for this person, again, this is modeled after a real scenario I was working on with a client. So this person, we were having these discussions regarding, okay, what I was trying to give her goals regarding what, how much money she would need to earn in order to maintain lifestyle and still, you know, have our assets last roughly to age 90 or 93. So we were trying to solve for how much earned income, you know, the, beyond that, you know, the next, the next model would be, okay, if we can't maintain this lifestyle, you know, what, where, how much lower do expenses need to go in order for the assets to likely last um, for your life expectancy. So that would be like the next iteration. But first she was, you know, we were working through, she's like, you know, I, I can work. I, you know, I can earn some money. I'm looking around, you know, looking. And so I was trying to give her some guidelines. So the first thing we did was we threw in, okay, well, what if you can earn 50,000 a year? And if I do, and if she could do that for five years, not an incredibly long time, but 50,000 for five years, that certainly improves the picture. Now, instead of a 40% chance of success, she's got a 60% chance of, of the assets lasting long enough. That 50,000 of income is very impactful, not impactful enough to make the, the model look perfect. 60% chance is still a little bit uncomfortable for me. And then, you know, we went one step further and said, okay, well, what what if you can earn 50,000 a year for 10 years? You know, is that impactful enough? You know, we can play around with the amount of income. We can play around with the length of time, the duration that that income goes. And, and again, we were trying to solve for what creates a good model. And we ended up, you know, I'll skip a little bit. We're, I'm running out of a little bit of time here. I'll do a couple more scenarios, but a little bit running out of time. The 50,000 per year for 10 years wasn't impactful enough. That only brought about, that only generated like a 65% chance, but really like a higher amount of income, 75,000 a year or something for 10 years was, was generating something pretty successful. But really what we ended up with is a scenario is sort of a combination income now, change lifestyle later. And this particular person was, you know, and, and a lot of people will say things like, well, I, you know, I really, you know, I'm young and I'm healthy and I want to enjoy, you know, my life and my money now, which it makes perfect sense. And, and I love that. And I a hundred percent believe in that. And so we were just sort of talking through, okay, well, let's maintain this lifestyle for X number of years. And then maybe there's, you know, a real estate move, uh, you know, some money comes off the table, condo fee goes down, you know, maybe lifestyle decreases a little bit in the way of, you know, a little bit less travel, you know, later in life and, and things like that. So we sort of ended up with this combination scenario, but it was, 
um, you know, a good and powerful exercise for this person to work through because, you know, you, you don't, what you don't want to do is, you know, it, it's really good to take a look at these things earlier rather than later and, you know, giving her some guidelines regarding, okay, what level of income is impactful enough. For example, if I run this one at $75,000 a year for, you know, if she could work 10 more years until age 70, um, then she's now got a 75 or an 80% chance of, of pulling retirement off without making a lifestyle change. So that was like really helpful for her to have a number in her mind and a target in her mind of what she needs to do if she wants to keep this lifestyle. And again, we, we did go a step further and, um, you know, sort of having those discussions about, okay, well, you know, I'll sell this and go here and it will be less expensive and that'll give me a little bit more in the way of assets. And, and of course, one of those things we always talk about is like, you know, many people want to have a large amount of money in, in their budget for travel and fun and entertainment. That's what it's all about, right? You work your whole life and you work, work, work and you save and then you want to enjoy in retirement. And of course you you want to, of course, that's what it's all about, right? In my mind and hopefully anyway. And and so, but we talked about how, you know, the, the size of the dollars that she had, like in her discretionary parts of her budget, travel and things like that and entertainment and fun and boating expenses and things like that. You know, we sort of talked about, okay, well, let's, you know, kind of phase those out later. Not not anytime soon, but, you know, maybe age 80 or 85, right? And it's, you know, of course, likely that those things wouldn't sustain at their current levels, you know, until age 93. So, very, you know, a realistic model, but also just allowed us to put together something that, you know, did look financially sound um, for her lifetime, which was, you know, very very helpful for her. But, you know, the point of the point of this was, well, for this model here, one point I wanted to make was, you know, and think about this stuff early. Don't, don't, you know, if, if she waited five or 10 years to, you know, look at this and her portfolio was X hundreds of thousands smaller because she was drawing, you know, 120, 140,000 a year out, you know, that, that, you know, you can, if you wait too long, you can get into a situation which, um, you have less control over. So it's it's better to know earlier and, and make a plan for it. And sometimes it's not the, you know, sometimes the answer isn't what you're looking for, but it's it's much easier to handle these things when you know it, them earlier, especially if it's bad news. You have more time to... <laughs> Um, turn bad news into good news. So, and the other point I wanted to make is again, these are the, those were two mod working through those two different models. You know, similar age people, but two good situations, right? You know, the first married couple, mid to late fifties, million and one point two five million in retirement. Kids are through college. They make great money. Um, you know, they're saving, but you know, the the picture wasn't. Rosy, it's it's not that easy to pull off retirement. Those people had debt to work down, and you know that's real life stuff. And and it's just you know the the whole the sort of the point there was it's just it's it's not that e right. It's not always that easy, right? You got to think about these things. You got to make a plan, and in order to ensure you know sustainability of assets. And then the second scenario again, great scenario. You know, significant amount of assets, financial and real, um, very little debt. But 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 very little income, and so you know, is is that what is that enough? Um, and so the importance is, I guess the point is, you got to make a plan and do some modeling, and and um, that's my passion. That's what I love. Anyway, that was fun. Okay, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, flying solo, but I have some company coming here in the next hour. Um, but that was we were doing some retirement modeling and just talking through some some uh, things that people need to think about. Next part of the show, we're going to talk about some local stuff. South Shore, what's happening on the South Shore? Events, 
uh, excursions, uh, fun stuff coming up. So um, don't turn the dial. I have some people joining me with some good information. Um, again, you're listening to McNamara on Money. Um, we're just taking a break, and we'll be right back.